0: In the name of God, creator, redeemer, and giver of life. Amen. Please be seated. Tom Papa is a comedian who who was in Cleveland not too long ago on his tour. And in part of his act... I, saw, I didn't see the show, I saw it online. He talks about growing up in the 1970s when, when his dad would come home exhausted from work. Uh, now this, this is, can be hard to hear, but they were also just rolling with laughter, so I think it was, must have been familiar. He said, do you remember your father coming home from work? It was like the bad guy coming to town in the Wild West. Our mother would gather us in the kitchen. Your father's coming. Don't look him in the eye. He loves you. He just doesn't want to see or hear from you. Said my father would then just go to the playroom and lie down and just fall asleep. My mother would say, shh, your father works hard. He loves you now, just get outside now. Okay, can anybody identify with that in some way, shape, or form? Yes. The audience loved it, and I think because there is something in there that many of us can can recognize. It's funny, but it, it can also be quite tender, because it's no small thing to have parents who, for whatever reason cannot emotionally connect when a child needs it. And we can joke about that, but but sometimes a child just needs to play. And it stops being funny when we sit a little farther back to think about how how families and many of our most intimate communities either love unconditionally, which is the way it's supposed to be, or instead reinforce those those pressures and those barriers of our wider world. Now, now the fact that, that he, he could tell this story of his dad, and so many people in, in that audience would recognize it and find it funny, and many of us would recognize it, hopefully see a little humor in it too tells me that there is something here that is far wider than than one comedian's father. That there is some wider cultural pressure being put on the shoulders of this family and this one parent in particular. So I think about Tom Papa's dad snoring there in the center of the playroom. I cannot help but grieve just a little bit when I think about The pressures that our world, our society, our our culture places upon us as, as parents and as families. Pressures to act, to relate, to show love in certain ways that we're not even thinking about it. We're just thinking about it, maybe how tired we are that day. But there's a deeper and bigger story behind that. A family can and should be the place where we are taught unconditional love. Where where we are valued, where we are known to bear the image of God. Where where we are also taught how to be a good human being along the way. That's part of it. But, But sadly, so often, families instead do the work of expulsion. Indeed, doing the wider culture's dirty work by closing the most intimate and needed of doors. There in that place where it's most important and where we most teach each other how to love one another. And few people know this better than the queer child Who finds in their family, in their their nurturing community, anything less than unconditional love and support. How sad it is when we as loved ones allow ourselves to be instruments of expulsion. when when perhaps we think we're honoring some kind of traditional value, what we were taught, what our grandparents did, when we ourselves are really just being used. We are being used to build walls that were never ours to build. When in fact, Scripture paints a very clear picture of what we are to do with the truth of who we are and the truth that is within us. Reading our scripture passage today on Pride Sunday, we didn't, we didn't choose selectively pride readings. It's just the lectionary today, but there's something in there that, quite, that seems to me to be a message of coming out. Have no fear. Nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered. What I say to you in the dark, tell it in the light. Proclaim it from the housetops. Do not fear those who would harm the body, but cannot kill the soul. Even the hairs on your head are counted. So if, if we want to be biblical literalists about this, we can just go straight to Scripture here, where we find, remember that God has account of every single hair on your head and loves your haircut, by the way. We see here that you are infinitely valuable to God. And we see here that you must not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to be who God created you to be. Do not be afraid to love. Do not even be afraid. To speak to that father figure who is lying down on the floor, exhausted in the playroom, and unsure of what to do with all the unprocessed anger that got dumped on him throughout the day. And here's why. Here's why you shouldn't be afraid of him or any parent or parental figure who struggled to love you perfectly. He isn't actually your father. He isn't actually, that person isn't entirely your parent. I mean, genetically, sure. Biologically, absolutely. Uh, Yes, that person, and yes, the mandate to honor father and mother is still in play. But stick with me here for a minute. Um, That person may be a descendant, but one of the great gifts of our faith is the ability to stand before god not only as equals each one worthy of dignity and love but in fact as siblings siblings equal in all ways but also with a kind of mutual unbreakable fidelity and that bond that comes when we have the same parent. So what do we do with all this? How do we square the, uh, the, the commandment to honor mother and father with Jesus' claim to bring pe- not peace but a sword? And if, if this conflict, as if this conflict between parents and children and children and in-laws is not complicated enough, for heaven's sake, my own in-laws are in town and are sitting right over there right now. Craig, are we still playing golf tomorrow? All right, thumbs up. There, there seem to be a lot of, of competing values here. How... We we thank God for the mothers, the fathers, the parents who really did teach us how to love, who really knew exactly how to love us unconditionally, to welcome us, affirm us for who we are as created by God. But but how do we honor those mothers and fathers who could not break free of the cultural pressures that are unloving and unneighborly? when our parents were, were the very ones who taught us to look out for ourselves instead of our neighbor? How do we focus on the family when a family is envisioned as, a mean, as an instrument of exclusion, rather than primarily as a vessel for wholeheartedness and healing? In Faith Beyond Resentment, Fragments Catholic and Gay, priest and theologian James Allison says that when we settle on God solely as a paternal figure, when we reenact that, Through human relationships, we we actually set ourselves up for a perpetual cycle of expulsion. So not only do we get stuck in an image of God that can be harsh and uninspiring and and not too many steps distant from thinking of God as the one who is passed out on our playroom floor and too tired to talk. It also causes us to reenact some of those same power dynamics that keep us all stuck. Allison writes, I I suspect that I am not the only one to have imagined and received the whole force of the social, cultural, and ecclesiastical hatred of gay people as if it were a paternal force. But love, he says, depends on equality. And it is in that equality that we rediscover that love and, indeed, remap the world around it. Allison seeks to reimagine our whole economy of relationships through the lens of pride, suggesting, in his words, that the place of the much-loved queer person is a place from which we can begin to reimagine the church— the place from which we can reimagine all of our communities, all of our relationships, the place from which we can reimagine our entire world. To follow Christ is to do so as a brother, as a sister, as a sibling, alongside those. In every generation, including our parents, our grandparents, and keep on going back. And so Allison says, let's move past this intergenerational sibling rivalry to instead try to see and honor the dignity and the vulnerability in each and every one of us. To follow Christ is to radically claim our sibling relationship with one another, to not simply be a child or a grandchild or a parent or a spouse or a lover, but to be a sibling as well. It's a message of affirmation, but it is also a message of freedom. When we use this way of being and loving as Jesus teaches us, we are freed to become adults, to Undo the effects of expulsion and having no one to blame, we find ourselves speaking with our own adult fraternal voice. And then God is freed too, freed from our paternal projections, our remaking of God in that grumpy parent's image. Freed to love us and freed to be loved As a sibling, pride, dear friends, is an occasion for celebration and affirmation, but also for unraveling those those power dynamics that are still invisible to us until we name them, that still keep us stuck until we begin to find new ways to engage them where rather than being vessels of healing and transformation and love, so many of us are conscripted into the work of expulsion and fear. Pride means claiming something else, claiming this gift of siblinghood, one of kinship and dignity and ultimately equality, not only accepting and affirming, but remapping our whole world around a desire, not just to be a neighbor, but to be a sibling as well. Christ loved us; loves us as siblings. As Christ loves us, so shall we love and redeem the whole world. Amen.